Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into Design Your Day, the official podcast show of The Gathering Shops. I'm your host, Ray Digney. The Gathering Shops, retail's newest and most exciting shopping platform, has curated a community of emerging brands and local artists. Each week, we will introduce you to the talent and personality behind these brands to give you an opportunity to get to know the person behind the product. This week, we catch up with artist, cartoonist, and author, Tony Rubino. Tony is the co-creator of the internationally syndicated comic strip, Daddy's Home, which appears in more than 250 newspapers and websites and is seen by 26 million people every single day. Daddy's Home is a fresh and funny look at the contemporary trials and tribulations of a growing segment of the modern family dynamic, the stay-at-home dad. Tony's designs, comics, and words can be found on greeting cards and other product lines such as calendars, posters, and apparel sold in stores and catalogs worldwide, including The Gathering Shop's newest store location, Bellworks, in Homedale, New Jersey. Tony's paintings and prints have been featured in galleries in New York, Chicago, Washington, and Los Angeles. So without further ado, here is Design Your Day interview number four with artist, cartoonist, and author, Tony Rubino. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Design Your Day, the official podcast show of The Gathering Shops. We are super excited to sit down and catch up with our special guest today, artist, author, and cartoonist, Mr. Tony Rubino. Tony, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Uh, We're super excited to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Although, um, originally, um, when you and I first talked, uh, we spoke at the Gathering Shop store location at the new Bellworks, um, now a couple of months ago, and the idea behind you and I sitting down for this podcast interview was to do it at the Gathering Shop store location at Bellworks, to do it in person, and preferably to be, to be sitting in front of some of your art pieces, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But unfortunately, you, myself, the Gathering Shops, and everyone else in this country is doing a lot of work remotely from home because of uh, you know the recent uh, COVID-19 pandemic that we're all going through. So um, we are here remotely. You're, you're at your house. I'm over here at our studio. And we're going to do this interview, not in person, but hopefully we'll be able to catch up somewhere down the road in person at the store. Okay, sounds great. All right. So uh, first and foremost, um, you know, we're super excited to catch up with you. We want our listeners and growing audience to learn a little bit about, you know, who you are. Um, We know that you're an artist. We know that you're an author and a cartoonist. And we want to, you know, dive into all of those things and all those facets about you. But first, tell our audience a little bit about who Tony Rubino is. Uh, Where'd you grow up? You know, uh, a little bit more of your backstory so everyone gets to know you a little bit better. Okay. I uh, was born in Jersey City, um, but then shortly after that, uh, we moved to Homebell, so not very far from the gathering shops. Um, in fact, I think the gathering shops are in Homebell. Yes, they are, yeah. Um, so I was in Manhattan for the past 15 years, and uh, I was living there, and then I recently, about, I don't know, about three, four months ago, I moved to um, Aberdeen. And I moved my studio here, and uh, so I was looking for a place to put my art, and um, I I was told about the gathering uh, place, and I went I went there, and uh, and I was very impressed because it, it just I, I didn't I'd never seen a place that brought together so many brands and artists the way they did, um, and uh, I was very excited to be a part of it. So I talked to Christy and uh, she seemed to like my stuff and, and that's how I got in there. But um, 
but as far as my background goes, uh, I'm a, I started out as a um, advertising um, art director. I didn't start out. I started out as like uh, you know a production person in, in publishing, but then ultimately I became a um, an art director for the advertising industry, and um, I did that for a number of years until I decided to to branch out and do my own thing. Um, somewhere along the way, I uh, I got my cartoon syndicated, and I started doing that like on the side, and then I sort of merged my comics and my books um into my art and once i started doing the art then i started putting it on fashion and, and other things and um that's how i got to where i am now wow incredible journey it sounds like tell me if i'm wrong so before artist uh author cartoonist you were basically in in your field but almost a corporate america type of job where you yeah. weren't really the creative you were working on creative stuff but not necessarily showcasing your own talent um at what point um, did you say to yourself, you know what, I need to be on the other side of this creative space where I need to be the artist, not just someone who's working on pro projects um, that people that are creative uh, that are putting out. You wanted to be the creative person. At what point did you say to yourself, you know what, I need to make this change? Well, it was kind of a combination of things. Um, <clears throat> I had always done things uh, on the side, you know, while I was working as an art director, I was doing the cartoon and I was doing books. And um, I, that was where my first love was um, with the books and the comics and, and things. <clears throat> so I always, always wanted to end up there. Um, but um, I wasn't able to right away. Uh, and then the other thing was, you know, I was spending all this time on, on the creative for other people. Um, and I thought to myself, well, why don't I just put all this time and energy into my own stuff and see what happens? And um, that's what I did. You know, it was slow going at first, but um, caught on after a while. And I kind of, you know, I kind of consider myself like my own client, kind of. I love that. Wow. I love that line, my own client. Um, I'm definitely going to jot that down for myself. I'm sure the, the listeners are going to love that quote as well, too. Um, let me ask, you know, as you mentioned, when you said you, you first walked into the gathering shops, you were really, really impressed by uh, the store, the aesthetic, and the fact that there were so many different brands and creatives and artists all in one place and, and how it's been curated. To me, once again, I'm, I'm one of their biggest fans. I think it's incredible as well, too. Um, you know, talk a little bit about your decision when you said, you know what, you're going to go from, you know, the corporate job in the creative space to being the creator. Um, and you mentioned it was a little bit slow going. Was there a time when you decided to take that jump to creative entrepreneur where not only was it slow going, but was it a little bit scary? My guess is you were leaving a job that might've been a little bit more stable. You might've had a little bit more stable of an income to all of a sudden leaving that to the creative space. And as you know, a lot of creatives, a lot of young entrepreneurs, um, they go through a little bit of a difficult time uh, selling their product, getting their creative uh, ideas out there and recognize, and they have, tr they have trouble providing an income for themselves and their family. Did you go through that difficult phase? And was there a little bit of you know, fear for you when you branched out that way? Yes, it was petrifying. And um, <laughs> it's, it still is. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Uh, well, I was lucky because in the beginning, I, I sort of, I transitioned from the advertising agency to, um, uh, I, I managed to get a couple of, of good clients and I started out doing freelance advertising. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started the business. I was actually still doing the advertising and the creative for other people. 
I was just doing it as a freelancer. Yeah. Um, so I did have a client base to start with. That helped me a lot. Um, but shortly after that, I started concentrating more on my own work. And yeah, it was, um, it was touch and go and, and scary all the time. But that's part of the excitement. That's part of what I like about it. Yeah, it's a it, it's a it's a really fun and scary roller coaster. How I like to how I like to put it when people ask, right? right. So let, let's talk about that. So you make the jump, of, of course. Uh, you you make that decision one, like you said, because it was your passion. It was your true love. Um, what was the first thing that caught on? What was the first thing that you saw uh, people respond to you in such a positive way that you said, you know what, I can do this. This isn't just going to be like a shot in the dark. Like I am talented enough. There is a demand. I have a growing audience. What was it? What came first for you? Was it the art? Was it your writing as you became an author? Um, was it your love for cartoons and becoming a cartoonist? Was there, um, you know, uh, a strategy each step, or did you kind of do all three at once and, and one of them hit first? What happened? Well, <clears throat> the writing and the comics always came first. <clears throat> My first love was was comics. I I always wanted to become a syndicated cartoonist and have my my cartoon in newspapers and stuff. Um, unfortunately, that's like extremely hard to do. Yeah. Even more so today. Um, in fact, now it's practically impossible because people aren't even launching any new comics. Um, but and if, I'm sorry, can I jump in? May I ask just, and I apologize for jumping in. And why is that? I know that maybe the readership of, of the general, you know, paper publication may be down, of course, because of, you know, uh, technology and iPads and iPhones. But you just said um, there isn't a lot of new launches of comics. Or, or is there not a, a growing community of artists that love comics like you did? Why is that? Well, a couple of reasons. One is... Um, most of the, if, if in order to make money in comics, you really have to be syndicated uh, these days. Um, and in order to be syndicated by a, a major syndicate, um, you have to go with one of only three options. And that's Creators, um, Universal, and King Features. Uh, I'm a creator syndicate. But the problem is the industry is is very kind of, it, it's, it's very slow to pick up new technology. And um, the newspaper industry especially has never really uh, figured out a way to make money online. They, a lot, they a lot, make a lot of their money still with the actual physical newspaper. And there's just less and less space uh, for artists to be in there because that's where the, that's where the, that's how you get paid. By, by mostly by being in the in the papers that actual people can pick up and use, yeah. which is you know silly because eventually those are going to go away altogether. And I mean, some of my income does come from um, online stuff, but um, they just they just haven't figured out how to make money that way. It's it kind of goes back to the old you know the old reason that when the internet first started, everybody was getting their information for free. And the problem is you can get a lot of these comics for free. So people don't necessarily need to pay for them anymore. Um, so finding a niche where you're going to get, where you can get paid is, is, is challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the, yeah, in this techno technological uh, generation that we live in, of course, I mean, back in the day, you almost sometimes, you know, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they always say, you know, man, if I would have done this 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
I would have been able to taste success a little bit more, right? And, you know, if you go back 10, 20, 30 years, as far as, you know, the actual publication, the newspapers, comics were so much bigger back then. Um, can you let our audience know a little bit, uh, this is a twofold question. First and foremost, uh, can you name some of the larger publications um, that people have been able to read and see your comics in? Sure. Um, a couple of my big clients are um, the Chicago Sun-Times and the Seattle Sun-Times. Um, those are probably the two biggest, but I'm in about uh, 250 websites and papers. Um, wow. So the comic is seen by about 26 million people every day. Really? That yeah. is impressive and incredible at the same time. Now, that leads to my second part of the question. Um, can you talk a little bit about the first time you personally picked up a paper, turned the pages, and saw your comic there, and you were actually one of the, you know, one of the viewers, one of the readers, and you're like, I'm not looking at someone else's comic. This is my comic. And twofold, how does it make you feel to know that 26 plus million people see your comic, see your art, see your storytelling almost on a daily basis? Well, the first part of the question, um, the, where I first saw my art, when I was first starting out, <clears throat> I was sending my my cartoons into magazines um, and trying to get just like a one-off things and jobs. That was before I was syndicated. So the first time I saw a comic of mine in print, aside from the college newspaper that I was in, was um, was in Popular Electronics. Um, and it was some stupid joke about, uh, um, it was like a, it was a kid and he was sitting on in a doctor's office and he had a computer monitor for a head. And the doctor said, your son has a computer virus, which back then was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, you know, kind of stupid. But yeah. um, that was the first time I actually saw it in print. Um, as far as seeing it in newspapers, um, uh, the, the, the thing about that is it, it's not in any comics. It's not in any comic sections where I live. So it wasn't in New York and it wasn't, and it's not around here. It's in Jersey city, but there are no papers that I can just go out and buy. Yeah. And pick them up. But it's kind of weird because um, like the cities that I'm in, <clears throat> in like Seattle and Chicago, like I did a radio interview the other day um, about the, one of the books and um, they had callers come calling in from, from Chicago and Seattle um, and they knew who I was and, you know, they thought, it was great that they could get to talk to me. And uh, I, you know, I was kind of surprised by that because I don't see that on a daily basis, but um, I am kind of in front and center in those cities. Um, what was the other part of the question? No, just basically, you know, like what, how does it make you feel knowing that uh, 26 million plus possibly see your art, see your storytelling, see your comics on a daily basis? I mean, that is an incredible audience, an incredible platform. It's um, honestly thrilling. I'm, I'm extremely lucky to be able to, to have that outlet because the way I look at it is I have a, um, a way to communicate with people every single day, um, which is, you know, really a gift. And it's something I don't take for granted. Um, you know, as annoying as the business can be and, and, and because the, you know, the internet is taking over, it, it's not as prevalent as it was back in the day, like you said. I mean, back in like the 50s, cartoonists were like rock stars, you know, like Charles Schultz and, and even before him, like people who did um, 
um, you know, like Blondie and, and, and stuff like that, they, they turn those into movies and, and all sorts of things. And now it's, it's like, it's, it's just a shadow of what it used to be, but I'm, I'm really, really fortunate to, to have that. So it's, to answer your question, it's, it's pretty awesome. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure that it is. Um, and before we change gears really quickly, um, in your opinion, and, and I'm sure our audience would love to know this, why do you believe strongly that comic books, there, there's a place for them, there, there's a necessary place, they're needed um, in our daily lives? Why do you think that comic books should still hold an important and special place um, in our daily readership or viewership? Well, I think they're unique in that um, they bring together art and words in a way that's, that's extremely unique. Um, it's kind of the ultimate form of pop culture in that it combines humor and writing with an image. And um, you can't really do that in, an, in any other way, just the way it's done with comics. So there's still people who want to read it, read comics, and there's, there's quite a few um, people who see me online every day and um, who, who really, you know, the first thing they do is open up the comic section. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I was, I've always been fascinated by it simply because I, I always kind of had a penchant for being funny and I always, I used to draw. So I kind of just combined the two things. Um, but it's still, you know, the, the art form still holds a, um, a place, um, that's very unique, uh, in, in mediums because um because of the way it combines these things yeah um so uh i think you know it's just, it's as true as it was back then uh as it is now these these things cannot be combined in a way that you can do it in comics so um i'm just thankful that people still want to read them you know? yeah absolutely um and and quickly um comic books themselves do you have a favorite comic book do you have a favorite comic book series a favorite co comic book character and uh, to add to the question, how do you look at how some of the comic book characters and series and stories have translated into what we see today in some of these movies um, that have really blown up over the course of the last 15, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years? Um, do you feel like these movies are doing the original comic book and the characters justice, or do you feel like now it's just been blown completely out of, out of proportion? Well, the industry you're talking about is more of the comic book industry. Yep. I do more of the newspaper comic, yeah. so it's a little different. But um, but I think you know it's fantastic because um, you know I think that they I think they do an excellent job. Marvel, Marvel and DC um, translating from the page to the, the this big screen. Yeah, because you got to remember when comics were created, um, they were trying to give you a big experience. They were trying to give teenage boys and kids like a bigger than life experience on the pages. So they were actually trying to imitate movies and, yeah. and real life. So um, translating it from that to movies was just kind of a natural thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and last question in regards to, to comics, it just popped in my head. So now in the comic space, like of course now in today's generation, you have the big movies, uh, the translations from the original comic books and the series. Um, they have a whole genre, Comic-Con. 
are comic strip artists like yourself, is that the same community or is it two separate things? Are they recognized as two separate entities or is the comic strip artist like yourself still included in that whole Comic-Con what the general audience sees? Uh, generally speaking, they are two separate things. Okay. Um, they come together occasionally, uh, like at Comic-Con, you'll see um, some of the newspaper cartoons there. Yeah. But that forum basically exists for the comic book. Yeah. Um, so it is a little bit of a difference, um, you know, between, because what I do doesn't actually turn into comic books and full-length stories. Yeah. I, I basically tell a joke every day in the parameters of my, you know, characters, um, rather than put them all in one book. Um, I just, I kind of have an ongoing story. I've been doing the comic for 10 years now and, uh, you know, uh, it's basically a running story about a, um, a father who stays at home. It's called daddy's home. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he, he stays at home and, and he also works at home and, um, it's basically just exploring these characters over and over and trying to come up with fresh ways to, to represent them. Very cool. Very cool. Now, speaking about, uh, we go from comic books, let's talk about books. You're also an author, um, which I find just to be incredible. I keep just looking at your name and your title, you know, artist, author, cartoonist, just so cool and so creative. Let's talk about the author space. Um, let's talk about your books. Um, when did you decide to dive into writing? And what are you writing? What kind of stories are you putting on paper? And uh, you know, where can people find some of these books? And, and uh, let's dive in here. I'm really curious to hear about this. Okay, the, the books kind of evolved parallel to the comics because I was trying to get syndicated and that basically is a, an exercise in rejection essentially because you basically just send out comics and you just keep getting rejected. You feel lucky if you actually get a, a nice rejection, but that's that <laughs> a good day. Um, but um, so I was doing that. And at the same time I thought, well, you know, I, I can do this writing and, and this, this art. Why don't I try and see if there's a place for it in the book industry? So I began to do book proposals and, uh, so the books that I came up with are kind of an extension of my comics in that they're very, um, they're, they're humorous and they're about pop culture and they're, they're, they're kind of quick reads, you know, they're not very dense. Um, they're just sort of um, things that I think are funny and I was fortunate enough to, to get other people to think that too and they published them. So. Um, uh, like, for instance, I have uh, one of my first books was Life Lessons from Elvis, um, which is basically just made up. Like, I thought, you know, let's take Elvis because everybody loves Elvis. Yeah. And you got to remember all of what everything I do is about pop culture. So mm -hmm. um, Elvis is like the ultimate pop culture uh, guy. So um, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I came up with like, stuff he would say um without actually you know actually knowing what he said I, I sort of made up all these sayings and and things that he would like advice he would give you if he was still alive so very cool uh, so that so i did that one and i did a series of life lesson books i did um life lessons from the brady bunch um i did life lessons from melrose place which used to be a show oh yeah 
Of course, then, followed up 90210, of course, Melrose Place, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> I did uh, Life Lessons from Your Dog and Your Cat. So I did this whole series of Life Lesson books, and that's kind of started the ball rolling. And then I moved over to, um, well, then they, they translated, actually, they translated Elvis into Finnish. Uh, so that's the Dutch version. Very cool. Elvis over there, apparently. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, and then I moved into things like um, Why Didn't I Think of That, which is uh, a book about all the inventions that, um, the ex they're like extremely simple inventions that anyone could have thought of. Yep. Um, and I explain how they came to be, you know, like the sticky note. Yeah. Stuff that doesn't require like a science background, just somebody who had this great idea and they turned it into this whole industry. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, stuff like, um, you know, it's, it's as simple as the toothpick or, uh, or like the, the coat hanger. Like yeah. That story is fascinating. The coat hanger story is, is fascinating. And um, basically, it's just a wire. It's mm -hmm. some event, you know? And yeah. And into this thing that everyone uses every day. But somebody had to come up with it. That's a, what an incredible idea to, to come up with a list of stories of inventions like that. Why didn't I think of that? How many times are you with family or friends over dinner, just hanging out, and somebody always says, they hit the table, and say, why didn't I think of that? I think that's incredible. Um, what's up next? What's on deck for you? Do you have any other new titles, any new topics? Is there a new release that's coming out um, you know, over the summer or in the fall or, or sometime in 2020? Yeah, well, uh, they, they recently came out with the book, the, um, Why Didn't I Think of That in Italian? Um, so I was just working on that, but, um, uh, and then I recently did, uh, I did a collection of the comic strip, Daddy's Home. Very uh, cool. So that's, that's in stores now also. Um, and then I'm working on one more book that, um, uh, it's called, it's called Sober. Um, it's about, uh, well, I think that's called, it's the working title anyway. <laughs> it's about, um. It's basically advice on uh, what you should do to stay sober. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of like something for the, the sober community. Um, and uh, so I'm right in the middle of that right now. And that should be out in Christmas at Christmas time. Wow. Very cool. Definitely interested to see that one. Awesome. Um, so now let's move on to another list of your, your creative talents. Um, author, cartoonist, let's talk art. Let's talk art. And I want to give a quick little backstory for our, our audience. You know, you and I have had an opportunity to, to meet at the gathering shops. Um, we're both, you know, we're part of that growing community. And I walked into the store one day and I saw a few of these pieces that just caught my eye. And I'm like, these are incredible. Like, who is this? What's going on? I asked Christy, I learn about you. And then there's one piece that really has just caught my eye. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But let's talk about now, I don't want to say transition, but you adding to your, your toolbox of skills and tools, now you're creating art. Talk about that path and how big of a, a piece of the pie is it in your career right now as far as being an artist? Well, it's something that I started probably back around 2012, 2013, <clears throat> where I, it was almost like something I wanted to do for myself. I wanted to see if I could create um, art on space that people want to hang on their wall. Yeah. For the sake of having that. So it was kind of a challenge for me because I hadn't done anything like that before. Um, I mean, I had done art 
but it was all for you know the advertising industry and for comics and things like that they always had like um a format but i wanted to just come up with with pieces that were pleasing to the eye that people just wanted to be around and live with uh so i started uh i just gave it a shot you know i didn't i didn't really know anything about it and uh i just started doing it and uh i was you know i was pleased with the results but i really never thought it was going to turn into much of anything except the hobby but um people started to want these things and so i started to sell them and um and that's how that got started and then the creation of all this um this art that you hang on walls um just lent itself to stuff you would put on garments yeah. and, and apparel and things like that so that's how that transitioned um from there and so yeah it's, it's probably a big part of my business now the uh the sales not i mean the sales of the art are are a big part of it but also the sales of the apparel and uh, accessories and stuff like that it's truly it's truly incredible right wouldn't you say that you know once you start putting yourself out there like you just made a great point originally you were gonna you know you were just gonna create art for you maybe you know a passion you have a love you have maybe even at times i could guess maybe you know, to spend time painting could be somewhat therapeutic, right? And then all of a sudden, because you put it out there, people notice, all of a sudden there's a demand, people want to purchase it. You're like, wait a minute, there's a little something there. Um, and then of course that leads to taking your art and putting it on, on fashion products, which creates another avenue of business, right? It really is incredible how sometimes you just do something and you show somebody something and it could lead to some great opportunity. Um, talk about some of your most popular or and or famous pieces. I would like to bring one up after you answer for sure. Um, but talk about some of uh, you know your more popular or well-known pieces that maybe some of the people that are listening and or will visit the gathering shops in the next few weeks, uh, God willing, um, may have come across so far. Okay. Well, just to touch base on the point you just made um, as far as um, doing stuff for yourself and then having people like it. I think that that's a key point for um, creators um, of any kind because what, what I think is when you're doing something creative, it becomes good when it's honest. You know, when it's something that you truly uh, believe in or, um, or if it's something that, that truly moves you. Um, I think it's easy to tell when an artist is just, just doing something um, for the sake of selling it. But when you see an artist who's doing something and it comes from in their soul and it comes from uh, a very honest place, like, for example, um, like Andy Warhol, you know, he did the, the soup cans, okay? Mm -hmm. So you would think that's an example of somebody just trying to do something for the sake of selling it. But it wasn't because he truly believed that was art. Yeah. And once he believed it, other people started to believe it. Yeah. And it started an entire movement. Um, and I think that that's it's really important. So a lot of the things I do, I try to please myself first. And then um, if, if, I, if I manage to do that, then I offer it to other people because then I feel like it's good enough to share. And hopefully that honesty comes through. In my world. I, I absolutely love that line. It becomes good when it's honest. I think, um, 
everybody who listens to this interview with you, whether they are creative or not, they can take that line and really learn from it. It is so true. It becomes good when it's honest. Um, I love that uh, approach and philosophy. Um, can you mention a couple of your more popular pieces or uh, you know, yeah. more well-known pieces? Yeah. Um, well, the one, the, the one um, that I think we're, you were referring to is, um, it's called Fearless Girl. And it's, um, it's basically uh, an image which I used. It was a statue in, in New York of a girl and she was standing in front of the bull on wall street and um i took an image of it and i turned it into a piece of art and kind of made it my own thing um but a lot of people it resonates with a lot of people uh, especially these days because of the, the women's movement yes. and um, things like that and it so it shows a very independent female and uh i think people respond to that because of it um some of the other stuff that people like uh i do um I have one piece, which I still am not, I'm puzzled as to why it sells so well. But, <laughs> uh, it's John F. Kennedy and he's smoking a cigar. And uh, that's probably my best selling piece. You know, people just, they just respond to it for some reason. Yeah. Um, I think it's because Kennedy represented a time when, when, when things were a little more stable, you know, or at least perceived that way. Yeah. It actually, it's true, but um and and because he's smoking a cigar it kind of gives him a little bit of a rebel feel um so that that's a pretty popular piece and um uh you know so i do very i do a lot of different um portraits which are pretty popular there's a couple behind me yeah i was just gonna say you're like uh i, I could see the pop culture narrative behind you i mean gosh two uh of the most iconic women uh of any generation right marilyn monroe and, and that's elizabeth taylor right yep yeah, uh, mm -hmm. absolutely incredible. Um, for everyone who's listening to this, I, I, I just highly recommend when you have the opportunity, um, you have to check out the gathering shops and check out some of his art. It is, is truly incredible. And I just want to speak on the Fearless Girl piece of yours. Um, I had mentioned to you before we started uh, the interview today that I just recently became a dad. And when I walked into the store for the first time and I saw that, that piece of art, like you said, it truly resonated with me now being a father of a brand new baby girl. And I just thought to myself, if that goes on her wall and she sees that every single day, what that may mean for her self-esteem and confidence as she grows up. So I know after this interview, I will be one of your newest uh, customers and clients because I have a feeling that's going to be in our house sometime down the road. That's awesome. I'll give you a good deal. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome to hear because that's what I intended. I wanted the piece to to show independence and I, and I did I was thinking of, of children mostly because yeah you know little girls need uh, to know that they can do anything and, yes uh, and I think that's what that piece shows hopefully yeah absolutely it sure does um, and I'm super excited to, to give that as a gift to my daughter sometime in the near future um, let's talk about um, the platform that I keep mentioning um, although this interview and, and this conversation is about Tony Rubino the the artist the author the cartoonist um, we have a common thread um, and that is the gathering shops I'd love to know uh, your perspective your view on this in what I call the most exciting uh, shopping platform that there is um, talk about what you think about the gathering shops um, and why you're excited and or proud to be part of this growing community? Well, um, for one thing, the gathering shops, they just have their act together. You know, 
So I was impressed just from a uh, logistics standpoint, um, which is rare. And uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, very impressed with, uh, with Christy and, and, and Sal and, uh, and that was, that was my main thing. That was my introduction. And that's what made me want to be in there. But then when I started to realize what it was, um, I was kind of blown away because it's really an incredible model. It's so simple. And like, you know, like all good ideas, the simplest ones are the best. And basically they're taking a community of artists and, and brands and they're bringing them all together. And in doing so, they're, they're empowering all of them individually because we can use each other um, to, you know, to, to help one another out and to, you know, promote and a lot of other things. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with, uh, with, you know, having that collective power of uh, all these small businesses that are going to come together and create one big business. Um, and I, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I, I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. As you know, um, I'm part of the community as well, too. And um, it feels so good to be part of uh, a store, a platform, a community where I feel like all of the artists, all of the brands, we're like on the same team and we're all rooting and pulling for each other. Um, and in, the, in this day and age, it's, it's very rare for that, especially in the kind of creative businesses that, that we are in. Um, and, and for me, I just think it's super cool. And, and not to mention, I love walking into the store and, and, and seeing, uh, you know, art like yours up on the walls. I think it just makes everything look great. So um, last couple of things. Um, how cool is it for you? Um, I know you're, you're a Jersey boy, uh, you know, sp spent time in Homedale. Now you're not far from Homedale. Um, how neat is it for you? I know you have your own creative space and studio where you are now, but to have a place like the gathering shops relatively close to you to come in and out and possibly, you know, drop off new pieces and or have the convenience of maybe doing some special events just based around you without having to travel very far. Well, I can't believe how lucky I am to have found it, honestly, because, um, you know, at coming from Manhattan, I was concerned that I wasn't going to find places where I might be able to where my art might be able to live yeah. you know, other than where I, you know, other than here. But, um, so, uh, finding that was like, um, you know, a needle in a haystack. I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe my luck because it's such a cool concept and it's in, and it happens to be in Bellworks, which is, um, well, at least that's the one I was, uh, I was introduced to, which growing up in Homedale in the area, um, you know, Bell, that used to be Bell Labs, yeah. which was like this giant complex that people knew it was there, but nobody quite knew what it was about or what was going on there. Mm -hmm. Nobody had any idea how big it was. Um, it was very hush-hush, and they, had, they did a lot of secret stuff there um, for the government. And um, so uh, it's, it's kind of exciting to, to be able to actually have my art live in that space uh, because it was kind of a very mysterious, uh, weird place that nobody quite knew what was there. And now um, my art is there, which is just weird. But yeah. Um, you know what I think is really cool about it, you know, for, for artists like you and, and, you know, brand creatives like myself and all the other people that are part of this community is um, not only is the gathering shops growing with tremendous amount of new talent, right. All coming together, but 
the store location, the gathering shops at Bellworks is exciting too, because like you said, Bellworks is kind of reinventing itself now as not just a, you know, a place where, you know, inventions and trademarks and government work was done. Now it's this, uh, you know, growing business community and retail and social space. So as that whole Bellworks community grows, I have a feeling the gathering shops is going to benefit from it, which means that artists and creatives like yourself will be able to benefit from that as well too. And that's why I think it is, it's such a really cool space and a really cool time to be a part of it. Yeah. Did you know that they, um, they just, they proved the big bang theory there at Bellworks. Is it, are you, are you being serious? Yeah, I'm being serious. Get out of here. No, that they, they are the ones who proved that it, that it actually was a thing. Um, I didn't know that either until recently, but that's incredible. There's, there's a tre- tremendous amount of history there too, which, you know, I'm, I'm a big history buff and I love things that have, you know, compelling stories. And I think that's what makes uh, this whole new Bellworks uh, place even more special. Um, last question before I let you go. This was awesome. And I look forward to catching up with you again in person sometime when we're allowed to get back out and, and work together and do some cool stuff. Um, but just getting to know you a little bit more in this interview, hearing your story, learning about how, you know, how creative and how talented you are and all of the things that you do. Um, there are a lot of, you know, young entrepreneurs, any age entrepreneurs that are looking to take the jump and maybe leave a job and start a new career and doing something that they're passionate about. Um, but they may be nervous. They may be scared. Like you said, during that time where it was petrifying, making the transition. Um, I hear this a lot from people saying, I want to do it, but I'm not sure how to balance all the time because it, you know, I may have to wear two, three, four, ten different hats. I mean, you're an artist, an author, a cartoonist, and I'm sure some other creative things amongst that as well, too. How do you find the time, Tony, to do all of that so that all of your creative work is quality? Like, I've been listening to you, and I'm like, how in the world is he painting? Is he drawing? Is he writing? And all of his work is incredible quality where people come to appreciate how are you able to do it? And do you have any advice for anyone out there who's looking to be an entrepreneur or creative where they can balance their day and their talents better? Uh, well, um, yeah, I think <clears throat> my, philosophy, my philosophy is don't think about it, do it. Um, you know, there's this saying, I think, um, I think Stephen King said it. Um, um, Amateurs wait for inspiration. The rest of us just get up and go to work. And that's so true because you just got to put one foot in front of the other. If I stopped and thought about all the things I'm doing at the same time, I would totally freak out. So I don't, I don't think about it. I just do what's in front of me. Yeah. And then I do the next thing. Um, I mean, if I thought about having to come up with the comics every single day for 10 years, um, literally every day on holidays and weekends, every single day, mm-hmm. I would be like, I can't do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think of it that way. I just think, okay, I got to do a comic for tomorrow and I do that. And then when I'm done with that, I do it for the next day. So I think my advice would be, uh, it, it's kind of cliche, but never give up because yeah. if you give up, you'll never know what could have been. And, um, uh, be honest with yourself and with, with your work and, um, and just have fun, you know, a place in your head where you can say to yourself, I'm having fun. Um, because once you do that, it'll translate to your work. 
Yeah, um, such simple words, but so true. And I think that um, our listeners on uh, on this podcast and especially this episode are going to get a, s- a tremendous amount uh, of great direction from you. Um, I'm super grateful for the time. I mean, this was awesome. I'm, as you know, I'm a fellow entrepreneur and I feel like I learned a great deal just during this 45 minute conversation. Um, and I look forward to being able to, uh, you know, sh- share some cool moments ahead, um, you know, at our time at the gathering shops. Um, this was really, really awesome. And I look forward to uh, catching up with you sometime soon. Yeah, it's been great. And um, you've done a, an awesome job. And by the way, I love your work as well. It's um, uh, really great. I've, I've, I've always admired it since I started in Bellworks. Um, and I look forward to working with you also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate those kind of words. Um, and I think today's conversation is just an example of, of how all of the creatives, the artists and the brands of the gathering shops are going to benefit from, you know, I've always been a big believer when you spend time with and surround yourself with, with quality, talented people, your life is going to become, uh, you're going to be able to express some more talent on your end and your life is going to become uh, a lot better as well too. So this was a great example of that. So thank you so much for joining us on design your day. I'm super excited uh, to put together this interview and get it out for everybody and for your audience to hear it as well too. Um, And we look forward to seeing you at the gathering shop sometime soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, Tony, all the best. Stay safe and we'll see you soon. Yeah. You stay safe too. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Design Your Day, the official podcast show of The Gathering Shops. We hope you enjoyed our interview with artist, cartoonist, and author, Tony Rubino. Be sure to visit our newest store location at Bellworks in Homedale, New Jersey, to check out Tony Rubino's latest paintings, apparel, and creative work. I am your host, Ray Digby, and until next week, remember, only you have the power to design your day.